0: When Saul is rejected by God as king, Samuel is sent secretly by God to look for another king. The sons of Jesse pass in review, but from the background emerges David, an unlikely choice. A reading from the lesson, from the first lesson of 1 Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlemite for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Samuel hears of it, if Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice The Lord, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse went to Abadab Abadab, and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Sama pass, and, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said, uh, Samuel said, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is still, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring, bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of the, his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily down upon David from that day forward. Samuel set, then set out and went to Ramah. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks, amen.
1: Followers of Christ are called to live in contrast to how they lived before they became Christians. They are to be imitators of Christ in a culture of immorality and impurity. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hear what the Spirit
2: is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Amen. to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, the light I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man do, who is a sinner perform such signs? and they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, "'What do you say about him? "'It was your eyes he opened. "'He said, "'He is a prophet.' "'The Jews did not believe that he had been blind "'and received his sight "'until they called the parents of the man "'who had received his sight "'and asked them, "'Is this your son, "'who you say was born blind? "'How then does he now see?' "'His parents answered, "'We know that this is our son "'and that he was born blind.' But we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believed, believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin, but now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
3: Amen. Good morning. morning. I'm going to ask you to go to your neighbor. That's a little different, but that's what I do at my church. Is that okay? Uh So just talk to your neighbor for a minute and ask them a question. Say, neighbor. Just repeat after me. Say, neighbor. Neighbor. You got to go to him. Look at him. Look at him. Go to your neighbor. Go talk to him. All right, say, "Neighbor." neighbor. I have a question. I
2: have a question.
3: Can the, can the blind help us see? Help us see. Oh, we got to try that again. Find another neighbor. Find somebody else. Send somebody else next close to you. You're going to ask him one more time. Say, Hi, other neighbor. Hi, neighbor. I have a question. I have a question. Can the blind, can the blind help us see? Help us see. Amen. You can have your seats. <laughs> Just want to get you practice in talking back to me this morning. Is that all right? If there is a topic or a name for this sermon, I guess I would entitle it, How the Blind Help the Sighted See. How the Blind help the Sighted See. This story functions to invite us into a practice. A practice that helps us spiritually, it helps us to see that those who are called blind might actually be able to help us see. John has a reason for writing this story in the way that he does. It's a very ironic story because the man's blindness functions to show the darkness or the unsightedness of all of those around him. That's how John uses this story to function. And what i realize realized as a chaplain over the years um, in the detention centers in our city is that these children, who we might call blind, have often invited me to see. I've been transformed by the ministry in detention, by the youth, and they have revealed in so many ways my own blindness. The beginning question in this story Uh, The disciples and Jesus are walking and they have a conversation. And the disciples ask Jesus, why? Why is this man blind? Was it him that sinned or was it his parents? What's the reason? Why? Why can't he see? Why was he born this way? Why does he have this horrible predicament? And you know, that's a good question for us to start this morning because it's a question that we often ask when we go to juvenile ministry, isn't it? When we see children locked up and we see them walk out in chains and in their colored uniforms, and some of you have been at the birthday parties at the detention centers and you and you see these children, some of them sometimes very young, and you ask the question, Why? Why are they here? What what has happened? Did they sin? Did their parents here? Why are they in detention? I can tell you it's never a clear cut answer. Being locked up is like being blind. It is a terrible physical and spiritual condition. Let me tell you some of the things that your children struggle with. Maybe the blind man struggled with this too. The children struggle with the idea that God has left them because they believe what others say about them too. They believe, oh, we're sinners. We're broken. We're messed up. We're that God doesn't want to be with us. God doesn't want to talk to us. That's what they think when they come in detention. But Jesus invites the disciples, Jesus invites the children in the detention centers, and Jesus invites us to perhaps ask a different question. Maybe the question is not why. Jesus says the question might be, it's not about who sinned and who didn't sin. It's about that God might get some glory out of this situation. I don't think it's just the children in detention that have why questions. My guess is that among us this morning, there are some of you that have why questions. Why am I hurting? Why am I sick? Why am I alone? Why am I unemployed? Why don't I get along with my family? Why are things not going in my life the way that I want them to go? Why? On Tuesdays in detention, I uh, I sit with the children um, on a restricted unit. There's a restricted unit detention for the kids... Um, that have more serious cases. They're not allowed out of their cells, typically for more than one or two hours a day. And so they're not allowed to come to chapel on Sundays. And so I go and I sit with them on Tuesdays, and we have a a program called God Talk, where they ask questions. They ask questions, we talk, we share about God. And on this past Tuesday, uh, we had a conversation, um, which I think is likened to the, the way that Jesus answers this question. And it was, how might God worked this situation, you being locked up in detention for your good. How, how, how might God do that? Do you, can you see how God might use this situation for your good? Let me give you some of their responses. They said, yes, I think I might be more appreciative of my freedom. They said, yes, I might be more thankful for my family. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're free, you don't think about your family that much. When you're locked up and you can't talk to your mother, you can only talk to your mom on the phone. Or you're very restricted at the times you can see your mother or your father or your family. You're you're thankful and grateful about your family. Hmm. They said, yes, I have time and space to reflect of the needed changes in my life. What am, what am I saying to us this morning, church? I'm saying that Jesus invited the disciples, Jesus is inviting us. The children are even inviting us by their answers to say, "Yes, God can get glory out of any situation." Perhaps that's a possible answer to our why situations. Maybe God can get glory out of our sickness. Maybe God can find purpose in our pain. Maybe God can find glory in our aloneness, maybe God can help us to see another side of our why questions. Perhaps we might become more appreciative. Perhaps we might even be more thankful and grateful for our own families. Perhaps our why situation invites us to perhaps reflect on the needed changes in our lives. See, the blind, the supposed blind, are helping decided to see. What I love about Jesus is he does not stay here. Jesus doesn't stay with the why question. Jesus moves. He moves into what I call becoming a catalyst for change. You know, he's not—he's just not that concerned about the why. And so he begins to take his own saliva and touches the ground and makes some mud and puts it on the eyes of the blind man. He goes and washes and now he can see. The first thing I think is, God, yuck, Jesus, yuck, yuck. Can't you use water or something a little bit more sanitary? Why would you use dirt and mud? That's kind of yucky. But Jesus doesn't seem to do miracles in a standard way. You ever notice that about Jesus? You ever notice how Jesus, oh, there's always something odd about the way Jesus decides to do miracles. I think of the Canaanite woman. It was her faith, you know, Jesus basically calls her names before, you know, he calls her a dog, you know, while he's talking to her. But her faith, her faith he uses and and she gets her healing for her daughter. I, I also think of the young man that brought his lunch, you know, Jesus could have did some magic, right? Did you, Jesus could have did some abracadabra and said, feed the multitude. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus takes the bread and what's offered by the boy? Some people say his little lunch bag. He takes what the what the community has to offer, and he breaks it, and he blesses it, and then he he expands it, and he pro- produces wholeness and healing in the community. Why am I saying this, church? I'm saying that in the same way as Jesus taking the mud and the sows and the dirt, that Jesus takes those same kinds of things in our lives, those things in our lives that seem useless, those things in our lives that seem like they're not enough to make any big difference. God uses our resources. God uses the little bit of dirt that we have. And he puts himself in it. And he mixes it together. And he places hope and healing into the world. Are you with me this morning? So Jesus is trying to reassure us that he chooses us. Jesus doesn't try to overwhelm us with his power, but he chooses to to empower us. Jesus chooses to partner with us, not by over-empowering us, but reassuring us that we are critical pieces, that we have a critical participation, that we have a critical role in his work of healing our world. I tell the children in detention often that you have to give God something to work with. Church, can I tell you that we have to give God something to work with? Amen. We got to give, we got to give God something to work with. Jesus gave this man some instructions. One of the questions that a lot of people ask me about kids in detention is, why do they come back so often? You know, um, if you know anything about the centers, there's quite a high recidivism rate. That means the kids return often, over and over and over into the detention centers. And so people always ask the question, why do the kids return so often? And you know, and this this text gave me a great clue. Um, not only about uh the children, but about ourselves, is is that sometimes Jesus gives us the simplest instructions, but they're not always easy to follow, are they? Amen. For the sight, huh? As the disciples. It's very difficult to follow some of Jesus' simple instructions. So imagine how difficult it might be for a child that might not have heard Jesus' name, might not have experienced the power of God to hear Jesus' simple instructions. Instructions like, you know, change friends. Instructions like, uh, maybe you don't want to hang out there anymore. Instructions like, maybe go to school. It's, they, you know, it's, they seem simple. But we understand that sometimes Jesus' instructions are not so simple to obey. So it's hard to follow the instructions of Jesus. Another thing that comes to me in this text is that the story turns to the witnesses of this miracle. It turns to the parents. It turns um, to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders um, in the community. And what's so strange is no one seems to be happy about the blind man that he has sight. Do you hear one person saying, we're so glad that you can see? Nobody cares about that. People keep asking him the wrong questions so that the second interrogation begins. The parents are afraid. They don't want to be accused of being disciples of Jesus. The blind man knows what happens to him and that's all he can testify to. And but everyone keeps on asking him the wrong questions. The officials in detention, a lot of times, they ask the wrong questions. You all. Sometimes parents and those that work with the kids, they they ask the wrong questions. But God places ECM in the position to ask the right questions. My favorite. What do you think might be the favorite question a kid in detention has? The number one question a kid in detention has is. When am I gonna get out? <laughs> Number one question, top one, of 10. <laughs> and I always ask another question. I always ask, are you ready to get out? Well, Ms. Titra, many of them say, uh, many of the kids say, well, they think about it for a little while. Hmm, hmm, maybe, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm ready to get out, because I don't mean, are you ready to go? <laughs> I mean, are you ready to institute some changes in your life that you may not come back into this place? It's, you know, it's all about the right questions. I don't know what your congregation is going through, what's going on in your lives, but I think this might apply to our lives as well. Sometimes in our situations, our why situations, our, our mud and dirt eye situations, sometimes it's about asking the right question in our circumstance, in our community, in our church. Sometimes it's about the right question. And I thank God that Jesus still comes to ask comes to us when we ask why, even when we ask the wrong questions, even when we've experienced Jesus but are afraid to witness for him. Jesus comes back to the blind man. And what does Jesus do? He asks the blind man the right question. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man asks another right question. He says, Who is he? Right question. Jesus says, I am he. The blind man says, Yes, I believe. And the blind man begins to worship. It reminds me of a child in detention uh, who's come back a few times. He he, he's made quite quite a few mistakes. We had a period of about a year and a half where we didn't see him. And uh, so I thought, you know, that usually if a kid's gone that long, he, you don't see them again. And so I was surprised when I saw him again. He had been um, in the Department of Youth Services twice, and now he's up to be certified and tried as an adult um, because of his latest crime. And he came into the office, and he didn't, you know, he didn't do the whole, oh, Ms. try I, I didn't do it, and they're, you know, they're lying on me, and the police are trying to set me up. He didn't, he didn't say that. He said, yeah, I kind of got off track. You know, I was going to church. You know, I was making some changes in my life. I was going to school. I was making some good choices. And just slowly but surely, I kind of got off track. We understand how one can get off track. Um, He said, but the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I can't pray. I haven't been able to pray since I've been here. And it's something that you said that's making it difficult for me to pray. And I said, oh, uh -oh." (laughs) uh-oh. What did I say? that You feel like you can't pray. Um, and and what I have said and what I've taught uh, many of the kids is that sometimes, you know, we do these jailhouse prayers, you know, these I, God get me out kind of prayers, and I always try to redirect them a different direction. And I told them the reason why I, I teach you guys about that is not so that you'll feel embarrassed or feel like you can't pray, but really to um, help you think about, you know, not making God something that you just kind of use um, at your convenience. That's why I teach you guys about that. But I said, let me reassure you um, that uh, God's never going to leave you or forsake you and that God wants to hear your prayer. And so then the kid asked me the right question. He says, not the question about how I can get out. He said, how can I get back to God?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's the question he asked me. How can I get back to God? I said, boy, that's the right question. That's, the right, that's a question I can answer. I said, I have the I have the pleasure of telling you, young man, that God is right here and God is right now. God is available to you right now. That was the answer to that question. Advent, Jesus is also right here and right now. Not only to the youth in detention, but to you. Maybe you've gotten off track like this young man. Maybe you've stopped talking to God. Maybe you, you can't pray right now because of your wise situation in your life. Maybe you can't see through the mud in your eyes and you haven't made it to the pool of shalom to wash and to be healed and made whole. But there's a right question that you can ask this morning. And the blind will help the see, help the sighted see. And the question is, how can I get back to God? And I have the pleasure of answering that right question. Jesus is right here. Jesus is right now. Come to him. He can heal and make you whole. Amen. Amen.